welcome everybody to what can be called the first play-by-play -play study session uh, workshop masterclass uh, of uh, sort of the 2021 season uh, in our new format where we take uh, once a month an opportunity to bring in a special guest or multiple special guests, talk about their work and highlight a uh, charity uh, near and dear to them and near and dear to us. And this month, as we'll talk about later, we want to highlight uh, uh, the way we can all help uh, with the tragedy in Surfside, Florida, with the condo building that collapsed. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I actually know I have friends of friends who were there uh, and uh, friends of friends who, who passed. Uh, and so it's a really important cause. Uh, and so thank you to our guests, uh, uh, Raul and Jimmy, both uh, uh, Raul Bermudas and Jimmy Giannopoulos, uh, who I will now introduce uh, at, at greater length, uh, but they picked that charity. And so I'm super psyched uh, for that uh, and that we can all pitch in as we've talked about in this program before and we'll talk about as we go on. Play by play is about bringing people together to talk about creative expression, to figure out ways to improve our art and our creative processes. But it's also about highlighting the issues that matter to us, the ones that are close to our hearts and vital to our lives. Uh, so thank you, Raul and Jimmy, uh, for bringing such an important cause uh, to focus this month. Now, for the introduction. Uh, I, I would let David do this introduction, but I get to introduce David as if he were a stranger this time because he is not only one of the play-by-play -play, uh, team heroes, but he is also one of the stars of the film we're talking about today. And that film is the new and wonderful uh, movie, The Birthday Cake. It was written uh, uh, by both Raul and Jimmy, and it was produced by Raul and directed by Jimmy. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, one of the most important uh, actors in the film. We have two, I think there was one more writer, right? On the Shiloh, 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 who's also the, the you know, the, the older Geo, yeah. Oh my God, there you go. So, okay, so, so, so again, yeah. so, so we're only missing one of the other life forces behind it. Uh, but with the exception yeah. of Shiloh, who we, we send our best to uh, mm -hmm. uh, all together, uh, we've really got a pretty amazing uh, collection of people from the team that made this movie possible. Um, and uh, I hope many of you got the chance to watch it. Uh, but in any case, uh, introducing Raul and Jimmy as sort of two of the main creative forces behind this piece, introducing the film uh, as a pretty wonderful sort of update uh, to homage to experiment within the sort of crime film, crime family genre. Uh, the Birthday Cake is just a really special movie. And so I don't know if Raul or Jimmy or David, if you wanna say something before we watch the scene, uh, that's fine. Or I can do a little bit more on sort of how we're gonna focus our conversation today. You tell me. I'd love to just jump in. And first of all, I'll thank everybody for being here. Um, you know, over the last, I'm, I see a lot of familiar faces. So a lot of you know that over the last year, uh, Noah, Matt and I have loved our discussions with you guys um, and really, really, really excited to launch. And I'm even more thankful, uh, I'm equally thankful to Raul and Jimmy for being here oh, for that launch. <laughs> um, I'm very thankful all around. Um, very excited um, to, to um, see what this new era of play-by-play -play has in store. And, um, 
And it's, it's very cool for me, like Noah said, to play this dual role today, dual role today. And um, I'm just, I'm excited to do that. So thank you all for being here. Of course, thank you. Thanks guys. Thank you guys both. It's really a treat for us, uh, especially to start off this new chapter of play by play with such a stacked deck. It's almost an, it's almost embarrassing uh, how, how amazing this is. It's an embarrassment of riches. So thank you guys. Um, in, as we get ready to watch this, uh, this scene, I just want to uh, preface by saying that we have three main sort of topics we're going to cover today. And I just want to flag them uh, to you guys. They're just sort of conversation points to start uh, uh, our discussion with uh, Raul, Jimmy, and David. Uh, but I wanted to flag them so while you watch this scene, you can keep those in mind. And that those three can be uh, summed up in three words. And the first theme is time. The second is suspense. And the third is team. And what that means is this movie takes place uh, uh, over the course, or not over the course, but between two time periods. It takes place 10 years before the main story and during the main story, which takes take place 10 years after. Uh, so there are two uh, ages uh, of a single character, Geo. Uh, so I want everyone to keep in mind, what does that mean to show a character at multiple ages, to show a story that includes an earlier version of someone uh, and a, a later version of that same person? The second one, suspense, is when we have a, uh, a movie that's built around uh, the waiting for revelation, the waiting for understanding, the waiting for uh, a plot to unfold. When plot is so central, uh, and yet the movie is also so clearly a character study, how do you build those things in? How does the birthday cake as an object play into the film? And the third team is about uh, movies with ensemble casts. This movie is, is uh, you know, a tour de force by so many people involved from the writing and the directing to the acting. And when it comes to the acting, there are so many actors involved who give incredible performances. Uh, and so anyway, what happens when you are dealing with, you know, a character study of one person that takes a village of, of people being acted and being brought to life. So anyway, just keep in mind the ideas of time, the ideas of suspense, uh, the idea of suspense, and the idea of an ensemble cast or a team. Part of what makes the movie so powerful in my mind, and again, I'm only giving this preface stuff because I want the creative team to come in uh, with sort of something to react to, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, one of the things we talk about here at Play by Play is sort of how things feel from the outside uh, versus how they were created uh, on the inside. Uh, what I just wanted to bring up was the through line of this movie that meant the most to me and that I found to be pretty incredible was the way in which young Gio, played by David, uh, and older Gio, played by Shiloh, which we just saw there, the ways in which they're similar, the ways in which as time goes by, the shyness, the interior uh, sort of focus, uh, the, the uh, sort of reluctance to stick one's neck out or to get uh, into some uh, scrap uh, or to be the cause of, or the sort of uh, continued force of trouble, uh, the way that that starts in his youth that we can see and then continues on as crisis uh, comes. But what we just saw, there was actually a pretty big difference between the young Geo and the older Geo. And so we have a pretty stark contrast with this 10 years later. His confidence is really different. The way he 
holds himself is very different. Even though I just noticed that he's wearing this white shirt with the black, uh, I think it's a tie or something draped over his shoulders in a way that actually looks like the shirt he was wearing as a kid uh, in his own way. <laughs> these similarities that uh, we sort of can see, there are also these big differences. Uh, in any case, I just wanted to point out for those of you who have not yet seen the end of the movie uh, or the later parts of the movie, there are a lot of similarities that are really clear. Uh, the way that we just saw him running towards us, uh, we see similar uh, uh, action, similar moments of intensity, similar moments of uh, uh, sort of flight, uh, all that sort of stuff uh, throughout the movie. And so there's a real uh, tie between the young and the old uh, or older Geo. And I just wanted to point that out as we now ask the first question uh, of the day or, or bring up the first topic. And that is, when you're making a movie about somebody who is growing up, but when you're looking at it in two very different time periods, played by two different actors, uh, sort of what is uh, the nature of that kind of storytelling? How can we as storytellers uh, uh, sort of approach that? And I suppose I'll start uh, with a question uh, first uh, for uh, Jimmy and Raul, uh, which is, you know, whether it was in terms of casting somebody or in terms of writing a character, how did you approach uh, creating a character that felt like a, a single human being, even though they would be played by multiple people and would be set in very different times in their lives and in very different circumstances? Um, well, I, I'll just say one thing, you know, one thing that really for us was when we meet young Gio, you know, played by David, um, his father just died. And so this kid is obviously he's confused and, you know, doesn't understand why his dad is no longer around, why there's kind of like this mysterious feeling around the neighborhood. Um, his mother's depressed, doesn't want to see her own brother. So, so there's that young Gio. And then the Gio that we meet later played by Shadow Fernandez, he's had 10 years to kind of, um, I guess, cope with this, even though he hasn't fully recovered, but he's now more of a man, you know, he's, even though, and, and, but, but in the end, you know, one thing that really, the, the through line is, is the relationship with the mom, you know, um, which was really important in casting the V because we obviously knew Shiloh. Shiloh was a part of the whole process and we knew what Shiloh could do, but we also, we needed someone that could have that feeling of like, sweetness and, and innocence, but at the same time, not feel like a pushover. So it was kind of like this combination that we had to find. And um, um, yeah, so that was a big part of how we, we ended up casting the beat. I don't know. Yeah, and, well, yeah. And I think this, I think in this story, it's kind of, it's kind of wow. unique. And for me, I think Raul will agree with this, but one of the most important things for us when we were making it, we wanted it to feel very authentic. And we knew that our cast was, we had a lot of familiar faces, you know? So I think sometimes you can struggle when, when you see like, you know, people you see on in this on TV all the time or in the movies, and then you see them playing different roles, it's harder for it to feel authentic. So for me, I really tried to, we try to keep the script, super authentic in a lot in a lot of ways and 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 that you know that means that there's a lot of similarities with young geo and older geo where you know they both 
at a certain point have to deal with somebody by pointing a gun at them, you know, and in, and 10 years prior and 10 years later, he gets the gun smacked out of his hand and he gets, and he gets his ass handed to him and it happens at both times. And, and the second time when he's older, he, he gets just enough, you know, he, he grew a little bit, you know what I mean? A little bit. It's like, again, it's back to the authentic thing. You know, this is the guy who like Raul was saying was in his neighborhood was, was kind of sheltered from all the bad stuff because he lost his dad in, in traditional yeah. mafia sort of uh, history. Like, you know, when, when someone dies, you know, the, everyone kind of protects that, that younger person. So he was, he was sheltered. So he didn't really have that much room to grow. His ceiling was pretty low. And mm -hmm. so, 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 you know, like young Gio and old Gio are, this was, it was actually a little, a little trickier and easier, to, you know, casting this because for one, they don't grow a lot, you know, and for two that he hardens a lot. So there's a lot of growing in that. And, and it, like, it was, it was, it was a really, in fact, um, the, the young Gio role was, I think the last one that we cast because it was, it was really hard to figure out. You know, so, um, yeah, it was difficult because like, Gio, like Jimmy says, he, 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 he becomes hardened, but, but, but the innocence maintains throughout, which, you know, was, was really, really, it was really hard to find that. And yeah, so we got lucky with David. Um, I, I find just real quick, I find that scene very authentic. Was it very scripted or was the young Gio scene a little fluid in terms of what the actors could say? It's kind of both. Like, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was, it's I think we pretty much are following, we pretty much followed the, the script, but you know, we took liberties here and there um, with, you know, you have to, when you're doing an indie movie also, you gotta like, you gotta work with what you got when you're on site, you kind of gotta like make decisions and compromise. And, um, mm -hmm. but it was, it was pretty, it was pretty clear. Yeah, but, but, but yeah, it, but it, it was, so um, I, I don't know who answered, who asked that, but, you know, um, you know, often the actors have these ideas, you know, like Emery Cohen, who plays Leo, you know, uh, uh, Gio's cousin, he called Jimmy a couple of weeks before we filmed. And he's like, well, I, I think Leo should have a list, you know. So he came and he, we filmed it and all of a sudden Leo had a list, you know. So it's just like, you know, I, that's one thing that I really enjoy working with Jimmy is, is, is that is giving these, uh, these actors the opportunity to, to bring different things to the character and, and it makes it more fun because you just don't even know what's going to happen you hope for the best and and, and by take three you have a general idea if it's going to work <laughs> yeah no it definitely yeah. sounded very very organic very natural um and you could tell that you guys put the viewers inside the mind of uh young geo very quickly and i think it's very subtle but your sound design is phenomenal you can hear <laughs> The, the, the tension building up very slightly and most people wouldn't pay attention to that because they're so moved by the cinematography. And I know you mentioned, you know, you have to move fast in an indie, but it almost felt intentional. The, the, all the camera shake, the quick cuts, sort of bringing you into that scared little boy's mindset as he approaches his biggest ever challenge, which is, you know, to point a gun at someone and, and get the response. And then it all builds up to him running away to the, birthday happy birthday song and that's yeah. sort of the pinnacle after the tension and you guys built that up so so well um putting the viewers already in that terrified little boy mindset 
and then seeing the growth from that specific event as if that trauma was what was needed. And Leo knew that if Gio did that, as scared as he might be, he would understand the world a little better. And then boom, yes. 10 years later, there he is as older Gio. And, and Matt, Matt, and you know, one, one thing that like, a lot, I don't know, a lot of people, because it happens kind of so quick, but, but a lot of people don't realize that when Leo hands young Gio the gun, he takes the clip out. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, so it's not, you know, so that was one thing, you know, we're always like, well, we don't want people to, 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 to have like this feeling that like, for Leo, his idea of being a man is going shooting some bully, you know, it was yeah. like, more standing up for yourself and teaching these guys it's not okay to continue to bully him and you know because he was gonna have to be his own man at some point and that was that was basically the lesson you know even though it's a very very street way of doing it but that's the world they come from you know and that's the movie you guys were making yeah the devil yeah. is in the details and you guys really yeah. bring us into the, his mind from the start and i thought that was really cool Hey, you know, D D David, before you go, I want to just make sure I say this before I forget, but David actually was pretty essential in setting the table for, for Gio, what he was going to be like. So we shot David first. We shot, he was the first thing we shot in the movie, young Gio. So, you know, obviously Shiloh and David both knew, they both had the ideas for the character and they had spoken and, and this and that, but but the way that David sort of played it that first time around kind of set the table for, you know, I think Shiloh at that moment has to dial it a little, maybe closer to, to, to David and which he can do because he's a great actor. And so, so David really kind of set this yeah. sort of this innocence. And, and I'm really happy that he got to do that because he's so fucking good at it. You know, and, he really nailed it, you know? And, so and, I was like, that's amazing. And, Hey, Jimmy, that's a really good point because, um, because you know, the first scene we shot was uh, David and Ewan McGregor and Shiloh, who was supposed to film later that day, he actually got there early because he wanted to watch how David was doing Young Geo because he wanted to kind of understand if there was any little thing that he had to do in his performance. So, yeah, so David, you did set the table for Geo and and for Shiloh, you know? I, it, it, was, it was an amazing yeah. opportunity. I, I remember when we were shooting and, you know, yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy and I had been talking and Shiloh and I had been talking. So like Jimmy said, you know, I had an idea of what the character was supposed to be. And, but it was really when, yeah, just like showed up on set. And I remember um, Shiloh, like you said, Shiloh kind of got there like halfway through we were shooting the scene. And I was like, am I, is this good? Like, am I doing, yeah. I doing good? And then he gave me, yeah, he was like, he was like, you're doing great. And um, it was really, yeah. it was just really encouraging. And um, so the thing that I wanted to say was, you know, on play by play, one of the things that, one of the things that we talk about is using the limited resources that we have to make the art um, and using those limits to create something that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of or to kind of, um, you know, beautiful accidents is kind of what we call them. Um, and it, th this theme kind of keeps, keeps coming up. And one thing that I remember while we were watching the scene um, and while Jimmy was talking about, you know, how you kind of have to adjust, um, one of the lines that wasn't there, one of the things that wasn't there in the script was um, when Leo hands me a sweater and says, you know, are you crazy? Your, your mom's going to kill you. Yeah. You know, you're going to get cold. It's because we shot the scene in the church, but I was just wearing a t-shirt in LA on it in the middle of the summer when it was boiling hot. And then right. we shot New York in December, um, walking out of that church. Yeah. And so it was freezing cold. It was really snowing. That snow was real. Um, yeah. 
And, uh, and I think, and I, I think this is another example of not just the, you know, so, uh, adjusting to make, you know, continuity make sense, but it really was another beautiful accident because Leo handing him that sweater and just that those couple lines that Jimmy gave us, like, you know, a couple, couple seconds before we started shooting, like, by the way, he's going to hand you a sweater. Just say, I had to get out of the house. Like, I think that adds so much. Again, it, 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 yeah, it goes yeah. back to what, what Jimmy was saying about how, um, Geo just doesn't really have a lot of room to grow because everybody's making decisions for him. And this there's another example of that. There's another example of Leo saying, you know, your mom's going to get mad at you. You should have worn a sweater. Here's a sweater. You got to wear it. You know, um, Gio just doesn't have a, doesn't have a choice in, in so many of the things that he does. Um, yeah. I just want I just wanted to mention that because um, in, for, for, you know, the returning faces, you'll, you'll recognize that theme and I'm sure it'll come up again. Yeah. And, and uh, they, they, that's, that's, that's really smart to say because, you know, I think for a lot of these, like I'm sure there's a lot of young filmmakers watching this and, um, when you're making these these indie films, and like obviously you know money is 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 always an issue, right? Because it's an indie film, so you do have those happy accidents. Like that day when we started filming, it, there was no snow, so by the time we got to the playground, it was a full-on blizzard, you know. So it was like, how do we even make this continuity even happen, you know? But 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 the point is. To embrace those moments like just make it part of the story figure it out you, you can figure it out and in the edit we figured out a way to make it seem realistic that from from when he came out of the church to the playground there's snow because as um ricardo's pulling up with leo on the radio as he's listening to the game we interrupt and there's you know that, an, a, a weather report so you know you, you get practical with the edit and figuring out ways to just make these elements all work and you have to be so open-minded and nimble. And the snow was coming down at the climax of that, you know, sequence. It was perfect. It actually worked absolutely perfectly. It was great. Yeah, it was great. That's an, it's a really amazing thing to hear about the sort of looseness, the, uh, I wouldn't say improvisatory necessarily, but the, the ability to be light on your feet in the process of making something. Um, what I wanted to, I wanted to use that sort of as a transition point to the second sort of major topic. And we'll, we can keep the first in mind, which is the nature of time. And this movie is in my mind, most of all uh, a character study. Uh, and so that will always be something we have to think about. Uh, but the second thing I want to talk about was, was suspense and the nature of suspense. And I think that that can also be talked about as plot in this instance, because the birthday cake, the title gives us already a sense of uh, the the sort of a sort of surprising focal point. If the if the movie were not t entitled "The Birthday Cake," you would wonder you wouldn't necessarily be drawn to that from the get go, which is why it's such an interesting thing. Uh, I often will have moments of sort of uh, overly technical sounding. Uh, uh, language and this will be one right here, but uh, the idea of what's what's sort of called a paratext in in English uh, sort of classes and things like that uh, in university and, and academic stuff. A paratext is sort of something on the outside of uh, a text. It could even be a film poster, but it's classically like a, a novel's title uh, or the title of a chapter. How does that relate to uh, uh, a or a paratext? Sorry, I, I misspoke. A paratext. Uh, and I just want to say, if it weren't for this paratext, the birthday cake, our focus would be in a whole lot of places uh, beforehand, but we're always keeping our eye to what this birthday cake is. And that birthday cake is a big sort of 
center point. It's as if the movie were filmed from the first person view of this birthday cake. Uh, and <laughs> That's through- a good idea, actually. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Hey, you know, we, sequel. Um, uh, <laughs> the idea, there's, there's a way in which we're always the fly on the wall in the room as the birthday cake is. Uh, and so I just wanted to ask uh, that, that looseness that you came, uh, that you you sort of uh, exhibited as you uh, uh, filmed this early stuff with David, your plot becomes not this. I wouldn't call it intricate necessarily, but it's really tight, and 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 everything has to fall into place. And so, how do you balance sort of a looseness and an ability to play with those beautiful accidents, or what what uh, Orson Welles called divine accidents? Like, how do you how do you integrate things that you couldn't anticipate into a story that's about suspense and about revelation and about surprise? Um, that's a good question. Well, I mean, you know, first of all, it, it, you know, in, in, the, in, in the end, you know, like it, it all really comes down to the script, you know, and understanding the story. So like, even like when you're on, location and a moment happens or you see something like jimmy's really astute at that and 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 finding these moments because we understand the script we understand the story so when something happens like you're like well oh shit we can use that you know because you understand the story you you know what you need to get from the moment and you know whether it's an actor just doing something or or you just these, these accents just happen but um, but, but, but I think the accents only happen if the script is right, because, you know, without it, it it's, it, it, it could, it could be a mess. You know, I, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but, um, um that definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the title being the birthday cake, the birthday cake is absolutely essential to the movie. Um, and is it, it's almost in every scene, right? It's not in every scene or, cause it follows Gio oh, around. So. Almost. Almost every scene, which is really, really cool. But I remember there's one moment where he almost drops the cake. And obviously going into the movie, knowing that it's called the birthday cake, you make assumptions, you try and guess, and that's what builds the tension. That's what builds the excitement is the idea that you don't know when, but at some point this cake will be explained to you. And it keeps you hooked the whole movie until you find out what the cake is. And I actually thought the cake was a bomb the whole time um, <laughs> until it wasn't. And Sick. I thought that was so miraculously prepared that, that you just felt like that thing was about to explode at any moment. And same uh, idea, same idea, same idea, yeah. same idea. And uh, that scene with Luis Guzman, uh, which you guys talked a little bit about the premiere that he improvised a lot, which I think is really cool. I would love for you guys to talk a little bit about that scene and the importance of the cake. Cause Gio forgets the cake and the guy, almost eats it and it's just really amazing yeah um so so the cake is 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 basically it's just like a vehicle for for geo and you know we put it in there a few times where even with with young geo with david when he says people keep bringing stuff by the house the fridge is full and he's got the stuff and like because it's it's a tradition growing up for me where the young the youngest of the family when they go to a a family party, they bring like a dessert an offering. And, and usually you make the youngest kid in the family carry it. And that's kind of like, a, 
in a lot of cultures in Eastern Europe and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's kind of the same. So, so, and out of respect, they accept it and out of respect, they eat it, you know, and it's just how it is. So, and we set up in the movie for, for Gio, when he has a cake, even when he goes back and he, you know, he puts it in a box when she puts it in a box room and then he goes back and runs for it and he grabs it and he's always carrying it. So it was just kind of an extra thing to know that, you know, his mom says, you better go and, and bring the cake, mm-hmm. the cake to your, um, take this cake, you know, and then, and then make sure you light the candle. So Gio does everything his mother says, like across the board. He's basically mm-hmm. just a good boy. You know, he just listens to her. And so we just went for it. We just said, let's just use the cake. Let's just let it have you there. And, and, you know, keep it, keep it as, as a time bomb, as a ticking time bomb. And it could, it could have killed Louis Guzman, which would have been, Lorraine would have really, you know, Gio's mom would have really fucked up, you know, if yeah. she killed an Uber driver. <laughs> but, 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 but Mateo, like going back to your point, you know, that was one of the trickiest things of this movie was not satelliting the cake. You know, even though we wanted it to feel like really omnipresent, you know, but it was really important like that, you know, like, like Luis, like Luis Guzman was one of the first people to sign on to do this movie. He read the script he, and I've sent him scripts before and he's always like, yeah, yeah, it's just cool. He read the script and was like, holy shit, this fucking cake kills everybody and it blew him away. So that's when I knew that like we had something because Luis' reaction. But it was always tricky to not satellite it too much. And people were always making aware, do you, do you think people figure out the cake? And we were surprised by how many people did not figure out the cake. It kind of blew our minds, especially when Lorraine stands over it, you know, in the kitchen. She kind of labors over it for a moment before placing it on the counter. I always thought that was the moment I was going to give it away, but it didn't. So, no, but, you know, it did not. It really did not. <laughs> Yeah. Those are the best yeah. kinds of like twists in movies when you yeah. watch it again, yeah. you're like, how did I not see this? Like, this makes yeah. total sense. Well, that's I was to say, the, the best movies are the ones that are rewatchable and your guys' ability to create all these little details and allow them to build up the bigger picture without ever being in your face until the end um, was really, really cool. I'm oh, curious. Yeah. I have a quick question. When, when was it always called the birthday cake throughout the, the whole writing process? Yeah, they wanted us to change it. And, but, you know, when Jimmy first told me about it, you know, Jimmy was coming up with this idea because he's Greek and he was always like the youngest. And he had to bring desserts to all these parties. And he had told me that he had this thing that he was working on about this, um, this birthday cake that kills an entire mob family, you know. And I just thought it was brilliant. You know, I was like, wow, it's called The Birthday Cake and it's a Brooklyn mob movie. And, and I, I thought it was just so cool. It was like, honest to God, it was one of the most, funnest scripts I've ever read in my life you know by page nine it wasn't even really a script it was kind of like an outline that you created I was like this is amazing I couldn't stop reading it you know so yeah it was fun I want to jump in on that uh because with with the birthday cake uh so so let me step back for a moment and say that one of the interesting things about having a conversation like the one we're having today is that we're sort of doing a craft talk in some ways. Like we're asking you guys about the way in which you made this thing happen, but we're also analyzing the impact uh, of what you guys made and sort of what as viewers we get from it. Uh, And so it's, it's sometimes hard because you don't want to just ask, you don't want to just say, you know, this felt like it meant this to me. Is that what it meant? Like that's because, you know, there's a separation between artist and art. 
Um, but I do want to say that one of the themes throughout this movie that's so important and the theme that is central to the idea of a New York mafia movie is the idea of family. Family is sort of the central theme of gangster movies in a way. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so what I wanted to sort of highlight uh, for everyone in the session uh, and for the conversation as we move forward is that the weapon, basically one of the themes in this movie is how does Gio fit into this family? He's, his father's gone. Uh, his relationship with his uncle is strange and it has a, an, uh, there's this sort of, this political machine going on. Um, but there's also this sense of family loyalty, obviously, and the, the theme of loyalty and family and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm, if it sounds like I'm rambling, it's because I'm setting up how mm -hmm. subversive this next thing is, which is in a movie about family, the backstabbing takes place through the offering. And so uh, when Raul said, uh, he talked about uh, uh, the way that, you know, there's an offering brought, Jimmy, I think you may have used that word too, but that word of an offering uh, is so interesting because there's the, the act of bringing the cake is a sort of sacred family act. Geo, by being this sort of interior, quiet, sensitive type, not a pushover, as you said, but sensitive, mm -hmm. is in a way the sort of heart of the family. Like he is the sweetheart of the family. Mm -hmm. uh, and he is the delivery mechanism of the destruction. The cake, mm -hmm. this offering is a delivery mechanism of the destruction. There's, there's no more uh, sort of direct a perversion of the value of family than using a birthday cake celebrating mm -hmm. a member of the family to kill the whole family uh, yeah, I mean, yeah it, it was like our own trojan horse you know like exactly it, it, and, and, <laughs> yeah and yeah. one and one that really like in invoked and in, in, uh you know brought uh sort of drew the po power from the genre expectations of family loyalty. So I just wanted to ask, as we sort of talk about suspense in this last way, one thing that occurs to me is as a character study, Geo is both, you, in the movie, there's the line about standing on your own two feet and this idea of what it means to stand on your own two feet. Geo does that in a way when he, when he tries to save uh, his cousin. Geo does that in a way that he couldn't do as a kid. But by being the delivery person, by being the, the sort of sugar on the pill or the icing on the cake or whatever that snuck the poison in, uh, he did something that wasn't his idea. That's how it seemed to me. Well, wonder, but, you yeah. know, really, really quick. So just a quick similarity when he's younger and Leo gives him the gun and he says, go. And then he points it, he gets punched. And then he says, Gio, run. He's helped. He, you know, he gets away and his family helps him. And the same thing happens at the end. You know, he gets away, but he still has help from his family. Like his mother, like he, it's still the same thing. So there's still that ceiling. So he didn't, so he grew. He was able, we saw his growth when he pulled the gun on his, on his cop, you know, but he's on his cop uncle, but he still had help to get there from his family. So things changed but a little bit and that was us keeping it authentic like to what would actually happen in that situation that's exactly one of the, what i wanted to ask you about and i want to just highlight that and get turn it back over to you guys which is the thing about this movie that's so interesting 
uh, is that, as you said, it's authentic. And authenticity here in some ways means that it's not a fairy tale. It's not a storybook. It's not, uh, in some ways, it's not even an epic because there isn't some major change. In fact, the person you begin with and the person you stop with uh, are remarkably similar. And I just wanted to ask you guys as creators of this film, what drew you to that theme? Did that theme appear before the story? Was that theme a result of the story? And what does it mean to you uh, to create, to write, to direct, and then for David to act uh, a character that is essentially a, an observer of his own life. Even though there is some free will, the movie in a weird way almost challenges free will. As, as, as crazy and over the top as that sounds, there's nothing Geo does that isn't somehow manipulated by the people outside of him. And so I just wanted to sort of ask, you know, those are a lot of really interesting, important pretty intense themes and intense sort of philosophical stances in a way. Um, and sort of what drew you to them? How did you bring them out? Uh, did they sh you know, appear for you or did you say, I wanna write a movie with this theme? Just both of you, just take it away. Well, here, if I could jump in really quick. So, so you know, I, I met a lot of people in, you know, living in New York for the last 15 years and I became friendly with some, some old school gangsters, you know? and their kids and bringing it back to the authenticity element it was like their kids are not like their like their like their parents like the, you know i've i saw it you know so so it's like you're not that you know but you're still connected so like so let's let's tell this let's tell this story because we already know the story of 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 geo not being the innocent guy you know what happened you know what would happen at the end of that movie if he was a different guy he just killed the whole family i mean that means he's the new boss of the family right that means that's what would happen in that story but we've seen that story so we're telling the story of the guy you know like if let's say if, if aj from the sopranos was to grow older you know um or you know and something something happened to him at an early age like you know what i mean like we were telling a different the, the different version of the whole thing our own take and yeah. and again back to authenticity it's not like that the character was just made up like i've i've met to a certain degree geo in real life a few times you know like a version of him that actually exists like that in is in a similar sort of situation so it was just all about keeping it authentic and telling that different story and i i think as the director that definitely could be perceived in the movie um you're desire to tell the authentic story and to tell multiple stories within one set of characters and that's sort of the last point that we really wanted to go into is how you guys managed for a small indie movie first of all to get an incredible cast of actors but also to make sure that each actor had his own story to tell and mm -hmm. um not one was more important than the other and in fact geo sort of takes a step back every time he's, he's with someone else and allows that person to be themselves fully. That's Gio's power is his sort of sweetness makes people underestimate him and it allows others to be themselves around him. Mm -hmm. And you guys did that with some incredible phenomenal actors that really told true stories. And if you watch the film multiple times and you focus on a different character each time, they all progress a little bit in their own way 
leading up to their death, but so just not enough that they could be saved. There's still the, the evil that lurks around Geo, and just because they weren't as sweet as Geo, they're the ones that have to go. And I thought that was really interesting, and I would love for you guys to expand a little bit on how you managed to get such an amazing cast of actors and what you told them to make them their characters so fully and so authentically. Well, hey, um, so I mean, it, 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 like, like I said earlier, it always comes down to the script, you know? Like, you know, um, a lot, you know and I'm sure um, the V can confirm this, you know, for a lot of these guys, a lot of actors, um, they get presented different roles and, and um, maybe the role is pretty good, but the rest of the movie isn't, so they, you know, they hesitate. So in this movie, the script really, in our, in, 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 not because we, we wrote it, but it, it was a good script. And so mm -hmm. the actors were excited to, to come on and do this. Um, so how did we get this cast script? Um, a lot of them were really excited to work with Jimmy. This was Jimmy's first film. Jimmy was a long time, you know, music producer with some successful great, great bands. So, you know, there was a kind of this curiosity with what is this musician going to do with a Brooklyn mob movie, you know? So, in, in fact, I was one of them. That's one of the reasons why I was so excited to do it, you know? And um, that's how it, it kind of snowballed. Even like I was talking to Luis Guzman about it. He's like, well, who's this director? And I, I started sending him some shorts that Jimmy had done. And, you know, they were just very DIY, but there was something there, you know? And anyways, oh, you little know. by little, what's that? When you know, you know. Some people have it in the I, 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 You know what? I, it, 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 that, that's the truth. Sometimes you just know. And, and if you feel that, you, know, you owe it to yourself to just try. And, and that's really what happened. I feel, like, I feel like a lot of the actors felt the same way. You know? Um, it was, they were all so cool and cooperative. And, and, I mean, Lorraine Brackle flew from Sicily to come make this movie. And she was in the, you know, for, it was insane. You know? So, Yeah. It was, it was, we were very lucky that the actors were all excited about the movie. The and, you know, but, but, but and, and you said they all have small roles, but memorable roles. And that was really important to us was to make sure they all had moments. You know, Jeremy Allen White, you know, he's fantastic in the movie as Tommy, you know, um, Luis Guzman, Ashley Benson, Penn Badgley, like they're all great in their own ways, you know. That was really important to us. Let me, let me just use that as a way to sort of highlight one of the more, uh, sort of extreme examples of that. And that's obviously uh, the pretty incredible performance by Ewan McGregor uh, in this movie. Uh, and I just wanted to turn our attention to him and his, and his character uh, because his character doesn't get to be a part of the birthday cake scenes. He doesn't get to be a part of the family. He stands on the outside. And to add to all that, he's not Italian as is obvious mm. on a number of levels. Uh, mm. And so his, his figure is separated from so much of the movie. And so in a weird way, he's a great example of what an ensemble is and what it isn't. Because he's so clearly a part of it, and yet he's only really on screen with two or three characters from the movie, maybe only two. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, two, because Gio's one. Exactly. As I say, so Gio and, and, uh, and uh, his mother. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to sort of say, to ask, uh, well, I suppose first, just to state that that shows you the power of a script and the power of a story, that someone would want to be a part of a movie 
that I'm sure a big part of the draw at a certain point is, wow, it'll be so fun to be in this situation with so many people interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, for Ewan, Ewan's role, it's, you know, I'm doing a, a, a piece, essentially a two person scene, mm -hmm. but it's so central. Um, I just want to ask uh, sort of how did you approach moments of solitude and moments of gathering? Because I felt like this movie did such a brilliant job oscillating between the two. There were very few moments in which there was sort of a small group. There were a couple, but usually it was either a real sense of loneliness or a real sense of so many people in the same place, like family or not family, mm -hmm. being in the group or being out of the group. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to ask uh, about that as a director, as a visual uh, uh, problem to solve, how you make it feel real in the frame, how you make uh, the film feel uh, like a single uh, visual work. Uh, and then as an actor, David, the uh, feeling as though you were acting in a movie that involved so many people, even though your scenes involved so few, and Raul was a writer, just to respond to that difference between many people and the loneliness of few people. Well, I can I can jump in here because uh, this kind of connects to something I wanted to say anyway. Um, you know, something something Matt said is that um, all the characters really feel like you could they could have you could show this movie from their perspective. They progress a little bit. They they the you only see them maybe in two or three scenes, but they feel so fully formed. Um, they feel like really real people. And of course, that a lot of that has to do with the acting. A lot of that has to do with the writing. Um, and just one of the one of the one of the things I wanted to highlight because um, one of the impacts of that, uh, you know, we talk like Noah said, we talk about um, making it on the inside and impacts on the outside. My, I just want to read a text from my acting coach, who um, I actually never shared this with with Jimmy, but she said um, she she said uh, if you talk to the director, let him know that I, an Italian Irish um, New Yorker from Queens, thought he perfectly captured that life. It was so real, and believable, and fun and shocking, and I think that the way like it really does feel like a really authentic new york movie it feels like if you're walking through the streets of brooklyn you would see some of the things that you see in the movie um and a lot of that has to do with the fact that when you only encounter a character for one or two scenes but they feel so real they're so well acted they're so well written um and they feel they feel like they're living their own life and they're not there for the presence of the movie um it, it just, it makes the whole, it makes it feel like a universe. It makes it, doesn't make it feel like things are, are being orchestrated, you know, with the script. It makes it feel just like you know, authentic. Um, and then to answer your question, Noah, which kind of connects this too, is, um, you know, how does it feel when you're shooting something and you know that there's so many other moving pieces that aren't necessarily there in play on that day? Um, and it was really cool. And it, 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 like, I mean, obviously when, you know, I was shooting my scenes, obviously, you know, you focus on those scenes, making those scenes as good as possible. Um, and knowing that there are so many other little layers and, and people are going to be doing that with all of their scenes. And there's so many different pieces that are going to be doing that. Um, and kind of like narrowing in and making each section so good and so believable. Um, yeah, it just, it, it makes it, it makes it feel so, just so multi-layered and, and whole, um, I think is the word I'm looking for. It makes it feel very whole. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> hey, David, um, so let me ask you a question. So what was your experience like on the other end of, because I know when, when we came in on the first day we shot, we shot together the first day and then later on also, but 
how did you feel about, cause I know we kind of walked through the scene and, you know, we kind of decided on this, you know, how should you walk? You want to go through here? You want to come over here? And we were kind of collaborating and, and everyone is on their best behavior, you know, cause you're just meeting each other. Like really you're, you're there day one. Everyone's, you know, trying to be cool. And you know, the DPs there, everyone's got ideas, but, but how did you feel the collaborate collaboration was like with, with us? I know how I felt. It felt, it felt like open and collaborative and like I have my own perspective, but I'm really curious what you went through that day. Yeah. Well, so in general, one thing that I've noticed about myself as an actor is I really like to take, I like when, when, but between cut and action, you know, when we're not shooting, when I'm not the character, I don't really, I don't know. Things don't really, I, I, I feel like I don't necessarily like come up with ideas. I really like reacting and, 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 taking it, especially from you, um, but you know, whoever the director is, but of like, I thought you were amazing in, in guiding me and, you know, telling, like setting the tone. Um, you know, when I remember going into the church, you're like, you know, your dad just died. You're lost. You're confused. Like, you, you know, you really like gave me my, my headspace. Um, and I feel like my portion of the collaboration really comes in between action and cut. And um, it's when I kind of embody all of those things that I've heard and that I kind of try to internalize. Um, and just see how they come out in the scene. Um, that's that. That's how that's how it felt for me. But like you said, you know, um, I think you really spearheaded my my guidance um, going into it, and you kind of gave me the the framework, um, the tone, the um, you know, like you said, the way that I walk, the way that I, I talk. I, me I remember we were, we were, I was asking you like, you know, should I have some kind of New York or Italian accent of any kind, and um, you know, all all of those kinds of questions. You really guided me in that, and then I just kind of let it flow and, and see see what it does in a scene yeah can i ask jimmy can i ask you a follow-up on that uh what tell me are there any things that david did or uh said when it was sort of uh a little bit freer in the script uh or just anything he brought in his physicality or whatever it was that changed the story moving forward or the way that you approached the story. It doesn't have to be monumental. It doesn't have to be like the ending had to be new, uh, but it could be something as small as uh, this feature of Shiloh's face or this, this way in which Shiloh is going to have a tick or whatever it was. <laughs> Just something, anything you can tell us about how to be uh, uh, sort of, you know, contribution uh, to the uh, uh, sort of first scenes change the direction? You know, you know I, I can explain it in a really, really, really subtle way. It's so when David took the character and he went there and he's standing in front of Ewan and he's talking about his mom, how she doesn't get out of bed and like how he embodied the pain, I think. And you can see it in your eyes. It's subtleties. I'm watching on the screen and I'm watching Geo you know, it was also because it was the, the, the first thing we shot, but I'm watching Gio come to life. And, and it's the way he kind of like takes the pain, like the way he, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, I know he wasn't crying in the script, but you know, as actors take liberties and they go certain ways, you know, and I think he kind of kept it in a way that, that it just really humanized it. And then in my mind, I remember thinking about Gio moving forward with, with, with filming it kind of just, I, I understood him a little better just because of the, because of that thing that makes great actors, great actors that David 
does so well between action and cut when you say action and then he just becomes this person David is and then we call cut and he's a completely different person it's actually one of the most that's the most fun I think I have on set is when I see that because I'm like holy shit that's amazing you know and and you make it you make the character yours but but he really kind of took the pain and the way the way he took the pain and how he acted like it made me guide Shiloh later on it made me dial him in more to, to how David took it. So he, and that came, that was just him. He could have taken it any other ways. He could have been more beaten down, less beaten down, you know, but it's, a, it's a little subtlety. It's in the eyes, you know? And I just want to like, you know, echo that on the other side of the coin. Um, when you do something, for example, like I remember when we were, when we were doing the, the walk up to, um, from, from Emery Cohn with Leo, when he hands me the gun and then I'm walking up to the bullies um, you know, we did that with the steady cam, and that influenced how I took that. You know that because you know if you're on my face the whole time, you know, and it's and it's like a good thirty second, I don't know, twenty second walk. Um, that that to me informed a lot of how I should play that, and you know, and that's obviously all you, um, like you know, building building that suspense in in that moment, and just you know, that's just one example, but. Um, how how you choose to do things also you know even if it's not explicit and we don't necessarily talk about it um it influences me a, a ton in um you know just literally just where you put the cameras tells me like okay that's how you're going to tell the story and that influences how how i'm going to tell my story this is such a great place for us to uh sort of transition to questions from uh the uh the class just real quick, just real quick before the question there was one piece of the ensemble that I was very curious about and that I would love for you guys to quickly mention is the authenticity of Val Kilmer's role and bringing him on. And I know that he has this documentary coming out about, you know, his throat cancer and the ability to find a character for him that worked and his presence in the room felt so powerful. And that was really, really like an important element to the film in my eyes. And I would love for you to just Talk a little bit about that scene and, and how that fit into the puzzle. Oh, hey, Raul, Raul, you're you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay, so for us, getting Val in this movie was actually one of the most special things because, like, throughout the movie, you hear about this Uncle Angelo, you know? Like, like you know, Uncle Angelo comes in, at the, like, literally at the end of the second act, you know? So throughout this film, you're hearing about Uncle Angelo. Uncle Angelo, like this, he just looms over the story. So when Gio arrives at this house, we, we knew it, it had to be someone that was like iconic. You know, we, we, we really wanted someone iconic. And, and obviously we had heard that Val was battling throat cancer. And, but then, you know, kind of like the parallels between what Val is going through and what Uncle Angelo we're going through what we're very similar in that, you know, Val was battling this thing and Uncle Angela was battling, you know, the, 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 the modern day existence of his family where it was like, you know, it was eroding. Like there was other powers taking over and, and I, I Val understood that he, and he knew how to do it. Um, and he studied, uh, you know, um, Paul, so, you know, he can't speak much. So he studied a lot of Paul Servino and Goodfellas. You know, Paul Servino is the boss, but doesn't talk much. And 
And Val really, really channeled a lot of that, which was cool because we had Paul Sabino in the movie. But yeah, getting Val in the movie was a huge thing for us. And, you know, Jimmy also was like, that was, yeah, we went to go see him before we filmed. And, you know, I don't know if Jimmy want to talk a little bit about that. I mean, we went and, yeah, we talked to Val. Val's amazing. He he was great. He's he's in great spirits. He's, that guy is such a amazing artist. Um, yeah. And, but, but, you know, as far as like question of we were going to use his voice or dub him, there was no questions about dubbing him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, he, you know, that's, that's crazy. Like, you know, why would we do that? You know, he's Val Kilmer. That's Val Kilmer. He's amazing. Yeah. So, so we just let Val show up and just, and just act, you know, and he actually created his own moments in the movies. Like, Mm-hmm. If you guys remember the moment where he talks to Gio about, you know, um, not paying attention and the hair getting caught down in his throat. That was, that was something Val wanted to try. Yeah. And he came to Jimmy and, and he just did it. And, and we, we kept it in the movie and it worked great. You know, and that was something Val brought to the table. Really so, cool. Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, we, we absolutely had to touch on that. So thank you, Matthew, for bringing that up. Um, yeah. I was going to say that the, the transition uh, that I was going to make uh, also works here um, in that uh, that just has to do with um, the process of making uh, these films. And, and there's so many things about uh, creative expression on screen. Uh, there's so many moving parts. There no, there's no medium that requires uh, a greater diversity of artists, whether it's visual artists and set design and and making the right cinematography and sound design and music design and acting and all all these things come together. Um, And so one of the things we try to do at Play by Play is to have uh, uh, sort of really constructive, uh, you know, it would be cheap to call it tips of the trade, but things that sort of are practical and that one can apply to a project of any level, even if you're filming a skit you wrote on your iPhone. Uh, and because we have three, uh, even though one of our guests is uh, also a host, we have three special guests. I thought it could be great just to ask you before we get to questions each, uh, if there's just one thing you learned uh, about the practical world of making something happen in the process of this movie. Uh, that is sort of my primary question, if there's something you learned from this, or if there was something you learned before that was made real to you in a way it hadn't been. Uh, I don't know, David or Jimmy or Raul, whoever wants to start, but just one thing that we can all take as we approach our own creative projects uh, that really landed for you uh, during this, this filming. I can start off and tell, say, re, you know, really confidently something that that I believe is I learned how important it is, especially in filmmaking, and I think that 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 everyone should understand this. And it's really practical and it's really simple. But if you're, because it's very daunting making a film, like you said, there's so many moving pieces. It's crazy. It's it's especially compared to music. I come from music. It's just me and my laptop and a vocalist. And that's it, you know, and then I'll call and it's like, but this is like tons and tons of people. So, so really breaking it down. And, and like you said, there's, there's production design, there's, there's cinematography there, you know, there's, there's, there's props, there's 
so much stuff going on. Um, somebody's in charge of getting the, the cars. So, so you just get your, your main production heads, you know, so your production designer would be one of them. Um, costumes be another one. Just make sure that those people that you get, that you fuck with those people and their style and you trust them. You know, don't get somebody just because they do the job if, if you think they're corny or if you think that they have this style that actually goes against what you're trying to do. Like, that is really, really important. Almost more important than a resume. Just somebody who it does the thing that you want them to do well and you trust them. Because then when you're on set and everyone's working, you need, to, you, need to, you need to make sure everyone knows what they're doing and you can just let them go. Because if you're like, no, what are you doing? That's all wrong. You know, that's hiring the wrong person. So like making sure that you get your main production heads, that you, you trust those people. And even if you're doing something small, you're making a music video, you're like, all right, cool. I'm going to do a music video over here. I want some graffiti on the wall. I want a car over here. Okay, cool. Well, you better make sure the person that's getting the person who does graffiti is doing the right graffiti or you're just going to look and make sure the person who's in charge of getting the car has good taste or the car they're going to pull up with this music video with some, some, some shitty car and you're like, what the fuck is this? This is what I had in my mind. But if you have everyone that you trust and you know, yeah. put them in place, everyone just goes. I, 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 I would agree. The, the, the thing that I learned most on this movie was working with the right team. It really is. It's like, you know, like as great as Quentin Tarantino is, he's great because he has great producers. He has a great DP. He has great sound designer. You know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a collaboration with so many people. So anyone that wants to make movies, just you have to find the right people to make the movie with. It, it, that's really what it comes down to. Like, I, we were very lucky. We have great producers, Sienna Overman, Cassius Corrigan, uh, Jamie O'Brien, and, you know, of course, a great director, Jimmy, like, great line producer. Like, it, there's just so many people you have to bring on to make one of these things happen. And it's just team, a great team. Um, yeah, I, honestly, I hate that we're all giving the same answer, but this yeah. is really, this is a really interesting um, experience yeah. for me because this was the first thing that I had done as an adult. Um, I was, I was 18 years old, I think, shooting this movie, and um, the last thing that I had done, I was Gotham, which I started when I was 13. So um, I, you know, everyone saw me as a kid. My mom was there the whole time, um, and this was the first time that I showed up on set alone, um, and that I genuinely felt like I could you know, relate to on an adult level and be friends with on an adult level, the people, um, you know, I, I really see Raul and Jimmy as friends um, and, you know, my other co-stars. And that's something that it was, it was always, it was always almost there before that, but um, there was always kind of that barrier between just, just age. Um, and one of the things that I learned um, was how much fun it is to, to, to do that, to, to be um, kind of, you know, uh, friendly with the people and, you know, just to echo what I mean, we've been saying to to really trust them and to be super excited when anybody has um, an, a new idea, um, and and I, and I, having those ideas that really genuinely make you excited. Um, uh, yeah, so li literally same thing that they've been saying. Yes, yeah. when, when you surround yeah. yourself by people that excite you, it makes you. It just it brings out the best in you. It brings out the best in them, and you get the best product. I I, I don't know who was it. I think it was Jimmy who said to me once, like. You know, it's, it's working with people that are serving the ego of the movie, you know, and that's the most important thing. It's not about you. It's not about it's the, the movie. And if you if you find people like that, you, you have a better chance. That's a great point. Yeah, I love that. And I, I just want to yeah. 
to say that in terms of summing that up, it's kind of a special thing that we had three answers that were so similar uh, because that answer uh, could not be any more, uh, what's the word, that, that advice uh, could not be given, uh, I have to, I, I'm sort of funny, I'm wrapping my mind around it. What it is is I, I can't think of any piece of advice that would be easier for all of you to integrate into your work right now. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, mm -hmm. There's there's nothing there's nothing that they could have come up with uh, that would have been more suitable to projects of any scale. This does not require having a team of professionals to to take this advice. It does not require having an agent. It does not require having a budget. You could be working on your laptop using, fo you know, photo booth, you know, pressing the record. You don't even need a laptop. You don't even need a laptop. Just like minds in a room that you yeah. like-minded minds in a room with, with similar intentions, taste, mm -hmm. or if, they, or if they don't have, they understand yours and they know how to translate. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different ways, but like like-minded minds in a room, you know. Fine. I'm gonna cut you off, but yeah. No, no, I'm so glad. It's like that, that you have find your people, find the people who serve the project, the people mm -hmm. who serve the dream uh, and the rest, the rest will happen. And I, and I love also that uh, because this was Jimmy's first, you know, foray into directing, uh, this is a great example of people doing it for the love and for the story and for the script. This was not, you know, a, a, a director at the tail end of their career who has people join the project just because they want to say they've done a movie with, you know, <laughs> insert famous name here. It's not that Jimmy didn't have a name because Jimmy's done all this amazing stuff, but this was people, this was a group of people falling in love with the ego of the movie. And I love that idea because we talk about ego so negatively so much, and it can be a really negative uh, if it gets in the way and if it's unproductive, but the ego of the movie, the eye of the movie is what this is all about. And so I'm so glad to, to have as our first play-by-play -play major discussion, uh, three people, uh, a director and writer, a producer and writer, and an actor, all of whom concluded something that powerful uh, and that workable in all of our lives, which is finding the right people to work on the project and having it be about the project and for the love of the project. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a marathon, you know, making a movie is a marathon from the script all the way to the end and, and you can't do it alone, you know, so. And why do it alone? Well, I mean, I, 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 I think it's impossible, you know, I mean, really, because it's like from the script all the way to getting the movie sold and released, it's like literally a marathon mm -hmm. and you, and you tire out and then you have someone who takes the baton and starts running and they do a great job. And when that happens, it just, it's, it makes it all so great. That's amazing. Well, yeah. as we always close off, um, we're going to do questions in a moment, but right before we open up for questions, and actually while I say it, I'm going to say, if everyone who has a question can type it into the chat, because we have so many people here, that'll be easier than raising hands. If you can send me your question in the chat, uh, I'll read out a few questions before we close out. Um, but while you guys type up your, your questions, uh, I want to again say that, that uh, play by play is about uh, 
a number of things, but the two main sectors you can say uh, are creative expression, which we've been talking about this whole time, and also public service uh, and, and public engagement. And so I just wanna remind uh, the group that we gather not only to inspire each other and to help learn together uh, about uh, uh, writing, making, acting, filming, editing, whatever it is, uh, the art that's so meaningful to our lives, but we also gather to raise awareness for causes that matter. And this month, uh, Raul and Jimmy have brought us uh, to, to the tragedy in Surfside. And so I'm gonna put in the chat, because I'm the only one by design who can chat to all of you at once, uh, uh, that uh, uh, I'm going to send you the link right now to support Surfside. This is the organization that uh, uh, that we picked, uh, or that uh, Jimmy and Raul picked, uh, and that David, Matt, and I are uh, really excited about. So uh, I just put the link there. If you can make donations, uh, if you can spread the word, if you can find ways of pitching in, that would mean a lot to all of us. And again, we come together because we love uh, being uh, a group devoted to the arts and to coming together, and especially in the wake of, of COVID when so many people were separated from community for so long. But we also wanna make sure that this time uh, inspires action. Uh, so uh, yeah. To, to add to that, um, I know that it's hard sometimes to put your hard-earned money towards something that you don't directly see or sense the impact of. Um, that's kind of what we have been doing with this class, making it nonprofit and allowing all of you guys to hear us discuss these movies for the better part of a year for most of you. Um, and we want to find ways to encourage you guys to do it and to get a return um, for it. So what we've implemented is in the week leading up to, um, so from the time we do it live to the time we release it on next Sunday as a podcast, if you guys donate $5 or more and send us the receipt to the specific charity, um, on the day that we release the podcast, we'll choose a couple winners to gain some play-by-play -play merch, um, as well as film-specific uh, prizes. But we thought for this movie specifically, whoever donates, um, enters into the raffle and we will uh, get a cake catered to you guys. Uh, it doesn't have to be chocolate if you're not into it, but whatever you guys want, um, you get a chance to win a cake and some play-by-play -play merch. So thank you again so much for all taking the time to listen to us talk about what we love and, and sharing that passion. Um, Raul and Jimmy, thank you so, so much for being here with us. It means more than you know um, to both me, Noah, David, but also all the people here listening some of whom have really stuck with us for the entire year and uh, heard us ramble about films. So on to questions. Noah, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just feel like it's important for people to know. Of course. If you donate $5 or more, um, you can get a chance to win the prize. Totally, totally. Um, so I'm going to, uh, you know, again, that's, that's, that's really important stuff because uh, we really want you all to, to engage. Uh, and think of it as your, as, you know, to whatever extent you can, uh, your cover charge. Uh, we all do it too. We all pitch into these charities. So uh, uh, it's it's the only it's the only tuition there is. In that, uh, you anybody would be lucky to pay tuition to a place where all the money goes to a good cause and not to mowing the lawn mm. on somebody's you know, <laughs> Ivy League campus. So in any case, uh, I'm going to field a couple of the questions that I've gotten. 
in the chat. Uh, uh, this one's from uh, Bella. Uh, uh, how long did the script take to write? Was it a long process or something already uh, at the top of everybody's head? So the script started, it was, um, um, I just kind of wrote, I don't know if it was a 40, 50, 60, it was like a short outline of the script. There's some dialogue on there and it kind of took you towards through the, through the journey of the movie, just setting up everything. And then at the end of it, it had a bunch of questions. And if I remember correctly, and I did that pretty quick, I, I kind of worked on it blasted through it probably took me like a week and then I returned to it a few times over the next few years kind of messing with it that I had a I have a bunch of different sort of scripts circulating and I kind of go in and I visit them and then I go back around and then and then Raul got grabbed the script and then that's the thing that he originally read that he said hey we should turn this into what it became and from that so at that point we had like you know, a week and then like revisiting it in a while. But yeah, you know, after that, Raul, how long was it after that since since you got a hold of it? Well, well, the one that was really great about like when you was going to work with Jimmy is so he so he, he sends me this thing wasn't really and he ends it with all these questions. So what if Gio, you know, ate the cake and or he ended with all these questions. And so we just started chipping away at it. And I would like every night around like 11 PM, I would send Jimmy notes. By the time I would wake up, he already implemented all of these things into the, into the script, literally that same night. And I was sending it to him at 11 PM. I'm like, shit, this is, I think this is going to work working with this guy. And, and so from that moment, which was around early October of 2018, to us starting to film Ewan, David, Shiloh, and Lorraine. That was August of 2019. So it was less than a year. And we just went through it so fast. And we, and we you know, it was, we just really went to work. Um, and, you know, yeah. So it was pretty fast, which is not the norm. And that, that actually uh, sequences well into the next question. Uh, which is from Josie. Uh, when writing the film, how did you know that it was finished? You know, you take things out, put ideas in. When did you realize this is perfect? Let's get this movie filmed. Uh, and, and I'll just add to that question. Uh, on the writing side, I'm curious, and then also on the edit uh, or on shooting. Start. I want to hear the script answer first, but also uh, the idea of we're finished uh, at any stage. I'd love to know what that was like. Well, I think every writer battles with that. Like, you know, when is it you know, when you financiers, it's, it never feels good to everybody. At some point, you just have to have confidence in what you have and, like, you can make it up. And, you know, it, you just, at some point, you just have to, you have to say, this is what we have, this is what we're going to do. And that's what we did. I think both Jimmy and I were very instinctive and we just, we went for it, you know? We just believed that it was time. Didn't you want to answer about the edit? Well, yeah, I'll just add one more thing to that. Like, it, the answer is also never for me. And, and people hate me when I say it, but I'm just like, it's not, we can add things at any time. We're gonna add things when we're on set. We're gonna change things. And I know that messes, throws a lot of things off because we're, 
we allocate time to do everything's very specifically but like the answer is also the script is never done you know yeah. until until it's shot after once it's shot then you're probably you might be done um no 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 you're not done until the edit the you're not done until the end exactly because you might go yeah. back and shoot some more so like so it's yeah. kind of never done really um until it's released you know unless you're Kanye West Kanye West pulls songs off Spotify remixes them and then re-releases them so the answer is probably never but as far as the edit goes you know you have a certain amount of time so you you know you, you got to kind of like you have like I don't know three months in our I think we had three months for the birthday cake if I remember correctly so you kind of like pace yourself like it's a marathon so you pace yourself to like along with the editor's workflow how long will it take us to get to a place where we have enough time to explore every sort of way to a, this 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 type of film? So you kind of allocate, you just pace yourself with the amount of time you have, and you kind of move forward. It's it's like you can you, but again with that, you can you can edit forever. You know, you can take a year off and then come back and recut it and. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I, I think the trickiest thing is like, you know, because I know there's a lot of young filmmakers watching this, like, you know, the most important thing I think is you all have to remember the movie you set out to make. Yeah. If, 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 if you have that in the script or if you feel you have that in the edit, there's always going to be tell people telling you how to make it different. That's always going to happen. You know, and that's something that we're always like, I'm always very mindful of, like, well, what you're saying is this making this better or different? And yeah. and that's always what I ask myself, you know? And and that's the discipline, I think, for a lot of young filmmakers is understanding that in the script when you're dealing with people that are giving you money to make something, or they're like, well, why don't you do this? And you have to remember why you made this movie, you know? Because you, you, you have to stand behind it. That's what you're fighting for, you know? And that's that's really important. And, and off that really quick, Raul, um, you know, it's really kind of asking yourself, like, what kind of artist you are, if you're like directing and you're in there, you're editing and understanding, like, somebody gives you advice, go with your instincts. But what if you're a person who doesn't really have good instincts, then that's a bad, that's a bad idea, you know, like, what if you're more of kind of a person who has really smart people around him, you know, so like, it just depends what your tools are. And like how to work you know so know what your strength is that will be your compass to know help you finish because you'll know you'll have a way to move forward you'll know what to trust you'll know what not to trust so know yourself as much ask yourself the hard questions am i good at this am i bad at this and then when it comes to making decisions you can make the right decision on the edit that's so so true jimmy so true yeah bounce off of that uh, one personal question that I meant to ask before it's over. How did you guys find the strength that is David Mazuz? I'm very curious how he came to came to the table. Oh, we got really lucky. Like I said, that was the last role we cast. And, you know, for a long time, we were trying to figure out, you know, obviously, well, like first, you know, young Gio has to look a little bit like Shiloh Fernandez, right? So, you know, that was obviously tricky because Shiloh's got a very unique look, you know, and, um, and obviously, you know, finding someone that has the talent because 10 years is, is long, but it's not that long. Right. So, um, we got lucky and, you know, we, we put out a, a wide net 
for young Gia. We were looking under a lot of rocks. And uh, David's manager over at Untitled, Annie Smith, did a really, really good job of like presenting him. And we started looking. And, and I had just met this guy at, um, who was in uh, Gotham, Shane West. And, and Shane had mentioned David. And so we got his reel. Jimmy looked at it. And we just, that's how it started. Yeah. And like, and I'm somebody who really kind of always go with my instincts and I always trust my instincts at this point. I, w- I haven't always been like that, but I, I, I trust him. So I was like, let me just get on the phone with him and just talk with him, you know? And then after you speak with someone, you kind of can go back and forth and catch their vibe. Then you, so I, you know, you kind of go with your instincts. And I talked to Raul, he's got the same sort of feel where like this guy's David's great, you know? Yeah. You talk to some people and the way they're kind of responding, talking to you, demeanor, this, it's just, you already know, you're like, yeah, that, that could, you know, I know that they have, people have to act, but like, it goes a little further than that, I think. Yeah. That's amazing. I think to close it off, because we've, we've gone way, way over, uh, and I'm so grateful uh, for the time that everyone's taken out of their day to be here, but especially for the time taken by Jimmy and Raul, who should, uh, if the world were a perfect place, be making a movie instead of talking to us, uh, making another awesome movie, I should say. Uh, but uh, I wanted to ask, originally I was thinking of asking what's one takeaway you'd want us to take from the movie, but I think that the movie should probably be experienced by each person first and see what happens. But what I would love to ask each of you as we, as we close this out uh, is what's one thing from our conversation today that you think people should keep in mind and take home with them. Uh, that's just a helpful way sometimes to, to digest a big conversation like this. So each of you, just something that we talked about today, or maybe something we almost, we didn't give enough time to, just that you think people should, you know, put that in their pocket and keep it around for a little while, think about it and, and bring it to their work. Well, you know, I, I, as, as we've been talking, I've been kind of scrolling, looking at the faces that are there in the, in the audience and a lot of young faces. And, you know, what I would say is like, you know, understand like this whole thing, movie making, um, it's, there's so many different things to learn about it, the craft, the business, you know, the networking. And, and, and I, I, I would say the most important thing is just be super open-minded, you know, Learn, learn, learn as much as possible. Just keep working, keep trying, because eventually it just starts to all make sense. And you can't be discouraged early, especially when you guys are so young. You know, just keep, just keep chipping away, and it, it, it and eventually it just starts to make sense. It all slows down a little bit, you know. So that's that's the biggest thing I would say from just looking at who the audience is. is just be patient. I know patience is a luxury, but it's, it's, it really is the only way. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as making the movie, yeah, I think that I, I agree with Raul, just chip away, you know, one piece at a time. Um, um, what I want them to take away from the movie, I think, is, is you know, just remember what we, if you guys watch the movie, which you should, um, um, I think something that's really cool about it that 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 I really am proud of is like we, were, we used a bunch of familiar faces and we were really really trying to make something authentic, you know, like and using 
shooting on location, doing all that. I think sometimes when you watch a movie, people think even though they go into this real world, but like everywhere we shot, it's all real. The whole movie, we, the way we did everything was really authentic. And if I want, if people watch the movie, I want them to just kind of like keep that in the back of their mind. Like we're trying to make a New York movie and, and, and it was really fun and we did. So. David, do you want to close it out? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, one of the things that resonated with me the most is something Jimmy said a little bit ago, um, which is stick to your guns. Know why you love what you, whatever you do, whether it's acting, writing, directing, or a mix of editing, whatever it is. Um, remember why you like doing it and stick to that. Um, stick, to, stick to what you're good at. Stick to the people that you know you trust. Um, and and then obviously there's a balance with what Earl said, which is being open-minded and trying new things. Um, but but it's very easy to get lost in because there's so much that goes into movie making. Like Raul said, the craft, the business. There's it's very easy to get lost, and um, your compass should always be the reason that you're there in the first place. That's the way to end it. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you especially to our first. Uh, special guests hard to uh, come back from this one we're not gonna we're not gonna top this one easily um, Jimmy and Raul that was amazing your your wisdom and your encouragement for everybody I'm sure uh, was as meaningful for them as it was for me um, I'm gonna one more time post the link to supporting Surfside or to support surfside.org in the chat so everyone has that uh, again Raul and Jimmy uh, uh, volunteered their time in part uh, because of how important it is to raise awareness and funds for things like this. But in any case, thank you both. Uh, and thank you, of course, David, uh, for one of the, the most uh, inspiring conversations I've had anywhere in a while, and especially one of the most fun uh, about this craft that we're all so uh, in love with. So thank you guys for coming. Thank you to everyone who participated in the uh, sort of workshop uh, from your homes around the world. Uh, this whole thing means a whole lot more to us than you know. So thank you all so much. And we'll see you uh, next month with Christopher uh, Mintz-Ploss from Superbad. See you all soon. Bye, guys. Thank, thank you. you.